You're listening to The Weekly Brew with Austin Statton and Jeremy Paxton. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed. Welcome to episode 117 of The Weekly Brew Podcast. My name is Austin Statton, and I'm here with Jeremy Paxton. And after a, uh, a two-week hiatus, we are back in the United States after a, uh, a trip to Greece, a trip to Europe, uh, enjoying that over the Thanksgiving holiday. We hope that all of you had a, uh, a happy Thanksgiving holiday with your friends, your family, uh, enjoying all the turkey, all of the, uh, the football, college football, NFL that was on. Uh, and we hope also that you survived Black Friday. As we can tell, all of the Christmas packages and Christmas shopping is taking place right now. But, uh, Jeremy, uh, we do have a great interview here in just a few moments with uh, Luke Bronner, who is a, uh, I guess, a podcast behemoth here in the city of Houston with several different podcast shows. But while we were gone for two weeks and on hiatus, uh, a lot of crazy stuff happened, man. I mean, we're talking college football. Alabama loses. Are, are they out of the college football playoff? The college football playoff comes. Alabama's in as the number four seed. Uh, politics just went haywire. I mean, it seems like, I don't know, politics is sort of haywire each and every week, it seems. But, you know, General Flynn pleads guilty. Uh, Roy Moore, Al Franken, so many sexual assault scandals coming up. Uh, Trump with his Twitter feed. Uh, North Korea launches another uh, another, another new? I, I mean... Matt Lauer? It was crazy. Can we talk about Matt Lauer? Did you grow up watching Matt Lauer on the Today Show? I did. I, did. I started my... I, I, you know, it is... As right-leaning as I tend to be these days, I grew up watching Matt Lauer and Katie Couric on the Today Show. And they were, I mean, he's an institution. And here... $25 million a year. And you know what's funny? If you look at NBC's website, he is completely scrubbed from every nook and cranny well, of, course of that he's company. Scrubbed from ABC. I mean, I mean completely, like, down the he's memory NBC. hole. Yeah, yeah. No, sorry, yeah, NBC. Okay, yeah. I thought you said ABC. No, we'll sorry, if, if I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so NBC has scrubbed every has scrubbed every Matt Lauer reference, every picture, everything from their website. Down the memory hole he goes, as if he never existed. What I find crazy is just reading the account of this one particular staffer that he assaulted, just like the lock, like he could lock his door from his desk. I mean, that's like supervillain stuff, You know right? who else can do that? I mean, does he have an eye patch that he you like know, brings you know, out yeah. when he's in his office? You know who else can do that? No, no, Nick no, no. Nick Saban. Well, he has a he has a button on his desk in which he can lock and he can actually open his door, close his door and lock it. Give, given the the fact that Alabama has some dark forces animating its uh, playoff success, I, I have no doubt that that is true. No <laughs> doubt whatsoever. You won't and you won't catch me or anyone else I know near Nick Saban's office for that reason. So what's going on with you know Matt Lauer, with Al Franken, with Harvey Weinstein? I mean, these are people that we. I don't know. We, we felt that we, you know, should have probably discussed this a few weeks ago, but we got sidetracked, you know, because of Astros World Series. But it seems like these stories aren't going away. I mean, it seems like each week there's a new sexual assault story, sexual harassment story coming out from power brokers in Hollywood, the news media, political spectrum, everywhere. Matt Lauer, who was seen as, you know, the the happy dad, right? You know, the the, the mid fifties dad making twenty five million dollars a year as the top news broadcaster at NBC, gone just like that. And, and, and it, it, it seems from all the reports that I read, there was a there was a story. I believe New York Times was working on a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Variety actually posted a story Tuesday after, maybe, maybe it was Wednesday after the news broke, uh, saying that you know uh, there was speculation going on for years that this is the case. Uh, Meredith Vieira, I guess she used to be a co-host on the Today Show. She has a uh, a talk show, and uh, last year she maybe it was 2016. She was she had Matt Lauer on as a guest, and. She brought up the, you know, the the story about Matt Lauer and sex toys. We're going to go ahead and play it right here. You know, I have to say, uh, 
I went into your office once. Do you remember this? <laughs> yeah. Snooping, and you had a huge bag of sex toys, and you do you remember this? Oh, wait and a minute. Yes, you did. Wait a in minute. Your, in your closet. Wait now, a minute. You did. Okay, can we you explain big, what happened? Because okay. you were there. We had a guest on the show who was a, what was she, a sex therapist? And so when she that. left, I think you did the segment, I didn't, actually. I didn't. And when she left, she gave each of us a shopping bag of stuff. I didn't get a bag of True stuff. True story. I didn't know what to do. I put it in my closet in my dressing room. The next day, we had Laura Bush on the show. No. And the Secret Service came with the dogs to sweep our dressing room. <laughs> And I watched, I said, no, I'll get out, go ahead. He goes, you can stay, we just need to bring the dog in. They open up the thing and I see the guy pick up the bag. And I'm like, oh my God, it's true. Was that true? I mean, you watch the video and we'll post a link of it to our uh, social media pages. But if you look at Meredith Vieira's face, she flat out says multiple times, like, I don't remember that. How convenient too to blame your big bag of sex toys on the sex therapist visiting your show. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, in my profession, I know some sex therapists. They don't just go around handing out bags of sex toys. I mean, maybe this was a special occasion, but I think in context now that we know that Matt Lauer was a disgusting human being, that those were his sex toys. I mean, let's be honest. But he played it off, and you just look, and everyone in that interview looks so uncomfortable, but that's the thing. When you're a power broker in New York, D.C., Los Angeles... You can give it away with a lot of stuff. But now oh, the yeah. narratives have shifted. Without Nobody's a, safe. Without a doubt. And I think what's telling, and this is especially interesting, I think, in context of how big a deal Matt Lauer was to that show, not just for image, but financially speaking. I mean, people tuned in to watch him. Yeah. And he did not get the last year and a half of his contract. He was owed, what, something like $30 million in the rest of his contract. He's not getting it. Or at least that's what NBC is saying. Now, who knows if there's... It's probably going to be a lawsuit, but there was probably some like termination charge in there. Well, there, there's, there's usually a morality clause in right. those contracts. You know, if you, if you bring you know, scorn and shame upon the network, we're, we're not entitled to pay you money. But at the same time, it, it, you know, this is a guy that is... I mean, he, he's, he, without a doubt, helped NBC's bottom line. And now he's gone. And now, so now the highest paid person at that network is Megyn Kelly, making oh twenty three, twenty four million dollars a year. And she is not and, well and liked. She, from she's what not I, well liked at NBC. Right. Her ratings on her shows are abysmal at this point. So I mean, where does NBC go from here? That's a really good question. I, but I, I think you have to ask that question along with a lot of other. You know, like let's look at Charlie Rose. A lot of other networks right. are in this exact same position. Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose, a little bit older. He, yeah, he's a yeah, he was, of the network. He's right. sort of on his way out. Like sure. he's, not, he's not the face of the network. But but we're talking like you know, longtime newsman. Compare it to Bill O'Reilly going, and Fox. Oh yeah. Well, well, and Bill O'Reilly fell before all this stuff really got going. He he's he, pre, he was one of the first pre pre Weinstein. Yeah, right. And so one has to one has to ask is this an are we seeing an entire generation of not just powerful figures you know Al Franken and others but an entire generation of of media personalities who had so much power to influence the news in our culture going away are we seeing them being replaced right in front of our eyes and i guess the question is who replaces them you know i mean do you do you switch to maybe a more female centric lineup to avoid some of these issues given that women typically don't have as many complaints hurled their way when these kinds of things come around so i don't know this is this is i'm still sort of taking this all in you know we've been out of the country for a couple of weeks and so i'm not um i haven't really gauged the impact among people that i that that you know, other media observers like myself, I really haven't gauged what's going on. But and, and you've heard stories from your time in Los Angeles that, I mean, you've heard names. Oh, yeah. Specifically oh, names that have not been revealed yet. Right. That, you know, 
you've told me this, and from everything that I've heard, you know, in, that there were more names coming out in Hollywood. I mean, the people that you mentioned, I, I would not no They're, longer be shocked to see them. Right. So, so for, for, the, for the audience members who don't know, uh, I went to graduate school for, in, for clinical psychology out in California. And during my time there, I, I met a lot of, I worked at a little clinic uh, in addition to school. And at that clinic, I would see a lot of people who were in the industry. They weren't famous or anything. They were like stunt people, production assistants, you know, uh, people trying to break into the industry. And one unifying theme that came out of my experiences there, particularly interviewing young women, was that men in powerful positions like directors, producers, actors, all abused their position. Um, of power over these women who were just trying to make a career. And um, there are several names that I heard that have not been mentioned yet that might eventually come out. And I hope for the sake of the people that they victimize that they do. You know, I'm not, I'm not in a position to, to talk about that stuff openly because that's just hearsay coming from me. But well, it's also patient. Yeah, yeah. Well, privileges. exactly. Right. And that's, that's the bigger issue. But I, I think um, there, this, we're not done with this windfall of, of people who have been accused of things. Now, what I think is, is interesting is how some people are responding to it. You know, you have, uh, Kevin Spacey, you know, uh, coming out of the closet, you know, and that, and then that somehow like covers up, you know, or tries to mitigate what he did, you know, to that young actor. And then you have others that are like Louis CK. I mean, that's a crazy, I mean, you know, not, I mean, this is a huge stand-up comedian seemingly just admitting to it. And then, like, it's like there's no, but there was nothing to, like, make up. He's not, I mean, he's owning up to it, but then there's, like, nothing for his sake. I mean, his career is basically over. Yeah, I, I think the interesting thing to me is how it seems to be totally different from what we've seen in the news networks who seem to be firing people to, you know, we've seen... Hollywood, we've seen like Harvey Weinstein, you know, like lose his position. His company rumored to be, you know, sold. But it doesn't seem like Hollywood's necessarily like speaking up and condemning these, especially like the male actors, right? It seems like, you know, some of these women are still pariahs in, in the eyes of Hollywood men actors. It, it, it seems like that's so unfortunate. It also seems in the political space, you know, we've got Roy Moore, who was up for, uh, you know, a, a election in the Alabama Senate, um, you know, for the Alabama seat in the U.S. Senate for the, I, I believe, a special election comes up December 12th here in just a few days. Uh, and then we've got, you know, Senator Al Franken, who was accused, and there's actually photographs of him groping a woman while she's sleeping. Uh, it seems like in the political space that it, it almost comes down to like a partisan issue, right? I mean, Democrats are saying that, you know, Roy Moore should step down. Right. But Republicans then, are saying that Franken should step down. Sure. But then when you when they ask about their own party, like Nancy Pelosi said last week on what was it? Meet the Press. Well, she said that uh, J- John Conyers. Yeah. If you remember. Yeah. Right. John Conyers. is she, like she praised Conyers you know, and said, you know, that I believe in due process. And it's like well, you can't believe in due process and also call for someone else in another party to be canned. Right. I think you, you've got to believe, you know, you, you either believe in due process for both sides or you believe that everybody should step down. There, there's no case by case. Basis. Right. Well, and, and I think here's the bigger question and, you know, we can maybe leave it with this, but there's you are due due process, you know, when you are accused of a crime. But in the court of public opinion, when you're a media figure, you're done. I mean, you are not due. It's to guilty do, until there, proven. There, there, yeah, exactly. There is no such thing as due process it's, it's in the, the court of public of Twitter, opinion. The lynch mob of Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's the it's the outrage mom that kind of lives on the internet. Unless and, you're Donald Trump with 19 accusations, or President Bill Clinton who had multiple accusations uh, yeah. as well, you get away with it. Yeah. Well, and you know, it, it's 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 something to say. You know, for for the for the current president, you know, I, I think. The the one thing that makes me pause, whether you're Republican or Democrat, is you know sometimes 
all it takes is an accusation, you know, and I, and I, I wonder, you know, it, what is it like to be in that position if you haven't done something, you know, to be accused and what is it like to be in that position and, you know, uh, and, and not feel like you have any resources when it seems like just the accusation itself has the weight of a guilty verdict. So, um, but I, I really do hope that for the victim's sake, you know, these women who are coming forward with in the various figures that they're coming forward about that they do get, you know, justice and that these guys are kind of outed, you know, cause this is really horrible and it should not ever continue. So it's been a crazy week. Um, here in the United States from a political, from a news perspective. Uh, one thing that I also do want to report is there was a tweet sent out by Joe Biden on Wednesday, and it said, today I'm announcing the launch of the Biden Forum, a new space for conversations about America's future. To you, does that sound like he's potentially exploring a run for president in 2020? Oh, sure. I think it is. Um, speaking of Biden, who has any number of creepy pictures on the internet of him around women. <laughs> <laughs> or or saying things that are just like kind of plainly racist, but like no one seems to bat an eye. Um, it would not surprise me if he was. I think there were a lot of people say, rooting for Biden this last time around. But of course, Clinton being the anointed nominee, there was just no chance that was going to happen. All right. So enough politics, enough news conversation. Let's talk college football. And uh, we missed... I guess the last college, the week of college football while we were in Greece, you know, it, it was kind of unfortunate we didn't get to watch the Iron Bowl, but, you know, Santorini, eh, that's, I don't know, a little bit better. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed the trip. I really enjoyed the trip. And if you want to check my uh, Instagram page at Austin Statton or Jeremy's at JCP311, great photos taken there. Also, if you want to check out Alvin Tran BU. Yeah, Alvin, Alvin, I think, takes he, the cake. Yeah, he, he, he has some phenomenal photos job. that he posted, and he's still going to be posting a series of those. So check that out if you want to see our trip. I, we don't, I don't know. We want to talk about it a lot, but we know that not all of you want to you know, talk about that. But the point of the, the matter is we missed a lot of college football. We missed the last week of college football. We got back for championship week. Uh, we see Georgia win the SEC. We see Oklahoma win the Big 12, USC win the PAC. Uh, Wisconsin loses their undefeated season as they fall to Ohio State. And, of course, Clemson knocks off Miami. So we have a Final Four playoff set, and that is Clemson is the one seed, Oklahoma is the two seed. As a three seed, we have Georgia, and as a four seed, Alabama. Sort of a controversial pick. Uh, there were a lot of media pundits that suspected that Ohio State would get that nod because they won their conference championship, but ultimately you have two teams from the SEC in the college football playoff. Jeremy, did the committee get it right? You know, when it comes down to Alabama versus Ohio State, I don't know if there is a lesser of those two evils. They're both equally bad to me. But I would like to see... I, I, I'm, I like the fact that Alabama's in there because I don't think they're going to end up winning. And They them, are actually the Vegas favorites to win it all. They are currently a one-point favorite are. against Clemson. Of course they are. Of it's course the third straight I, season they've played Clemson. Right, the with, all, with, all of the, with, with the, you know, all the dark forces animating their success... I mean, I just, you know, I'm joking, but I mean, but it, it's, I, I, <laughs> I wouldn't on the desk. Let, let's okay. You know what I'd love is a rematch between Oklahoma and Alabama. That would be quite a game to see because if you remember in what was it? 2013, 2013, 2014. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They, Oklahoma the pulled Bowl, off right? really the last big win of the Bob Stoops era, in my opinion. Um, you know, in terms of national attention, national prestige. I was proud as a Big 12-er to see Oklahoma knock off Alabama. We were proud because that was when Baylor wet the bet against UCF. 
Don't remind me. I flew all the way out there to I Phoenix did too. We were to both see. There. It was horrible. We were both there. Um, yeah, so I, I would love to see an Oklahoma-Alabama matchup. Of course, I, don't, I, I think Clemson is probably going to mop the floor with them, but who knows? I think if Oklahoma plays Clemson, you're going to have a repeat of the last two matchups Oklahoma has had against them in which they've lost pretty badly. I think that would be really intriguing. And I also, I really find the Oklahoma-Georgia game intriguing, right? Because you have one of the best offenses in the country with Baker Mayfield. I can't stand the guy, but he's a very talented quarterback. Probably going to win the Heisman Trophy this next Saturday. Going against a Georgia team that is one-on-one in their last well, – they have a win and a loss in the last three games. Uh, you know, They lost to Auburn once, beat Auburn in the SEC championship game. They've got a pretty good defense. They've got a freshman quarterback, which I think if you're looking at experience, skill position, uh, you know they're going to be facing a, a team they haven't seen before. I guess the closest matchup of teams that they've seen, similar – to Oklahoma would be Auburn, right? But I think I think Oklahoma has a more dynamic offense than what Auburn has. They have a better running game. Uh, they have a better quarterback. They have better wide receivers. Uh, so I, I think they're going to give Georgia a, a tough matchup. I think that Baker Mayfield and Oklahoma are kind of going to get over those postseason woes, and I think they are going to move on to the national championship game. That game is taking place in the Rose Bowl. Uh, I think Oklahoma beats Clemson. Alabama and uh, Clemson, I think, is the interesting game for me that is taking place in new orleans in the sugar bowl that's right in alabama's backyard i mean they, they get one they got fortunate to even get into the postseason because if you look at their schedule they haven't beaten anybody this year i mean the sec outside of georgia auburn and alabama is down they didn't play georgia they played auburn they got blown out against auburn so they essentially had a week off didn't have to play the sec championship game their other best wins are against a lsu team that lost at home to troy Right, which <laughs> just really I yeah, mean, to, to Troy's credit, they're in a bowl game. Yeah, so. but <laughs> they, they beat Florida State to start the year, which on paper looked good. But Florida State finishes six and six. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think this is a great Alabama team. They struggled against Mississippi State. I think they're going to struggle against a Clemson team that has a very very dynamic defense. But at the end of the day, that game is being played in New Orleans, not too far from Tuscaloosa. So I think that gives them somewhat of an edge. But I have problems with members of the media saying that Ohio State should have gotten into the college football playoff. I mean, they lost two games this year. They got blown out at home against Oklahoma, right? And then they lose on the road to Iowa. They give up 55 points on the road against Iowa, and they lose by 31. I mean, I get it if you have one loss, you have a case to complain, right? Like Baylor TCU a few years ago. There were three teams that were, you know, eleven and one or twelve and one. Yeah, right. I, I don't. I, I get that. I, I could see the argument that you know one of those one loss teams is better. But when you have a two loss team that gets blown out on the road by thirty one, you don't have a claim. I don't, and I, I agree with that. I don't think that they do. I, I'm I'm leaning right now. I as the more I think about it, the more I think Alabama should be there. But um, if if only to serve my own purposes of seeing them fall, hopefully. <laughs> um, all right. So if you do, you have a prediction for the for the final game? I'm going to go Oklahoma Clemson. In the national championship game, I like Oklahoma's offense a little bit more. I'm going to go with the Big 12, writes the ship, gets a championship. Baker Mayfield goes out on top, gets arrested in the postgame celebration. You heard that here first. <laughs> All right. I'm going Oklahoma, Alabama, and I hope Baker Mayfield makes Bama or he, it, or, oh, wait, who, what was his thing? Who, who's your daddy? Yeah, right? Yeah. 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 I, I hope he, I hope he is the daddy to Bama in that game. So, so we are sort of, uh, 
I don't know, channeling our inner Chase Kovaches right now and cheering for Oklahoma in the uh, college football playoffs. So, yeah, Chase, <laughs> Chase, you heard it here. We are we are rooting for the Sooners. Chase, boomer, reluctantly. Sooner. That's the only time that we're going to say that. Only I, time. I'm, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> I'm not doing that. No, I'm right, that so low. So the college football playoff uh, kicks off uh, January 1st. We've got the uh, the Sugar Bowl and the Rose Bowl. Uh, Four-team playoff is set. Uh, both Jeremy and I predict that Alabama will uh, not make it will not win a national championship this year. We are predicting Oklahoma to be the national champions. And uh, keep in mind, last year we both predicted Clemson correctly. So take this to the bank. Oklahoma will win the national championship this year. You heard it here first on the Weekly Brew Podcast. But uh, one other thing that we want to touch on when it comes to uh, college football is the coaching transitions that have taken place this week. Big one. Big, big one. Big ones. B- big one for Texas A&M. Yeah. Let's talk about our, that. A lot of our listeners are you know, from the Houston area, which means that there are a lot of Texas A&M alumni uh, that are listening to this podcast. Jimbo Fisher is the new head coach after Kevin Sumlin was fired, despite having you know, the second winningest record all time at Texas A&M next to R.C. Slocum. He's out of the head as the head coach. Jimbo Fisher, after six and six, I guess five and six seasons since he didn't coach the last game at Florida State, gets what ten years, seventy three million dollar fully guaranteed contract to be that the is, head football coach. That is Texas insane. A&M. That is insane. That's our tax money. dollars. That's that's part of it is our tax dollars. Certainly, um, I am a little taken aback by that. Uh, I, I think. A&M has, I think, followed the University of Texas and sort of this mentality that if a coach can't get them a national title in, what, three to five years, they're just going to fire them. And, um, of course, you know what, Kevin Sumlin, he was there for a little bit longer than that. But I, I, I feel bad for the guy. I mean, he's going to end up at a good school. I, mean, I don't he, he's, because he's getting $12 million to walk away. He's getting no. $12 million guaranteed to not coach. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like... I just, will do that. Just in terms of, I mean... All right. Well, but it's not all about money. These guys. At some point, it's it's not about the pay. I mean, it is about the payout, but it's not like they're they're thinking about legacy at that point, right? And he's going to end up at a good school. I don't know where he's going to end up, but um, Jimbo Fisher is going to have quite a task at 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 hand. I mean, uh, Texas A&M, I think, is in a, a peculiar position in the SEC. I think culturally, they don't always mesh with the rest of the conference. But I mean, they have fielded some good squads that have been able to knock off, you know, the top schools here. So um, we'll see. I, I think uh, only time will tell. It was looking bad for him at Florida State. Yeah. You know, like there were players saying that they weren't going to return if he came back and all this other kind of drama. So I think uh, um, I'm, I'm happy to see Texas A&M pay all that money. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, hope, I, it, I, hope, I, I hope it works I out for him. I wish nothing but the, uh, the least I amount wish, of success I, for Jimbo Fisher. I wish the best for you, <laughs> I really do. But another big coaching hires, uh, Scott Frost going back to Nebraska. You know, great quarterback there with Huskers back in the late 90s, early 2000s, I believe. Uh, Chip Kelly. Heading back to college football as a new coach at UCLA. I think that, to me, That's is a, really a sleeping giant waiting to be wakened. Absolutely. I Chip agree Kelly back in the Pac-12. I think he was always a college guy. I oh, don't yeah. think... I, I, I think about what, him he in Oregon. A, he, he had a good year with the Eagles the first year, but then yeah. after that, it was just downhill. It was bad. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I, I'm... I, I'm partial but i think college football is way more fun to watch more, more fun to pay attention to then the part the coaching personalities are just so much more interesting you know Ch- chip kelly in the pack again good for him uh ucla has a potential to be a fantastic program they've always have they just haven't had that breakthrough in talent and organization that that i think he I might mean, bring you, you've got los angeles which is you know the entertainment capital of the world right right they are in a recruiting hotbed Chip Kelly knows how to develop quarterbacks. He's got a fun offensive system. I mean, it seems like, you know, the perfect storm for success. Is he the coach to bring the pack back? Because the Pac-12, you save Washington's streak, right? I mean, has not been really that 
I mean, they've been. I mean, you've had good Stanford teams. You've had yeah. good USC teams, but there really hasn't been good, not great. You right. know, I, I always, I, I, I'm always looking at like who's the odd man out conference wise. You know, because well, this the, year the, there's two odd men. The out. gore, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the the gore is coming up here. The gore is coming up in what a couple of years, five, what five to seven years from we're for out the, from for the contract. Yeah, yeah, the granting of rights, and I'm looking at conference realignment. And of course, I don't think ESPN is going to be deciding who gets into what conference like they no. have been in the past, or like you know they they have. But um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens to the big boys. And I, it, this, is, this is really a crunch time for the Big 12. I mean, if Oklahoma can win a national title and kind of – or some team in the Big 12 continue success, then I think that that gives the Big 12 more legitimacy as a conference than maybe the pack. Yeah, it should, it should be interesting to see how – you know, the rest of the coaching From a football carous- perspective. Yeah. yeah. It, it should be interesting to see how the rest of the coaching carousel sort of shakes out over these next few weeks because uh, Tennessee still does not have a head coach at the time that we are recording. Uh, they sort of um, been a chaotic mess the last week as they had a lynch mob on social media force out Greg Schiano, who was the rumored hire, uh, Mike Leach rumored, uh, you know, uh, uh, Gundy <laughs> the pirate rumored, uh, hey, they th- fire their AD. It's just, it's just chaos. There, there's this up and coming guy named Bart Riles. I think he's looking for a head yeah, coaching I, job. I don't think he's going to get the job. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> I don't think I don't, oh, sorry, sorry, Bart. I don't think you're going to, yeah, make it I, I don't think that's going to happen, but, uh, <laughs> this is sort of an abbreviated ish episode of the weekly brew. Uh, you know, Jeremy and I are still, I think jet lagged from getting back from, from uh, Europe, and we, we, we know that we haven't really discussed the Rockets much on this podcast. We're going to have, uh, hopefully, some more content on the Rockets in next week's episode. Uh, they are crushing it right now in the uh, the NBA. James Harden is probably the MVP favorite right now. The Rockets have the, the best record uh, in the NBA. I believe they went 12-1 and in November. Uh, just a f- phenomenal team, and they look like they're starting to click on all cylinders uh, and could be the favorites to win the NBA championship this year. And yes, we are even saying that over the Golden State Warriors, so we'll hopefully have more on that. But uh, we're also going to have the guys from uh, the Roommates HTX podcast on our show next week, and that's something that we're looking forward to. We'll have them here in studio uh, and sort of to promote uh, you know, one of the friends from our show. We're going to have Luke Bronner here in just a few minutes to pr- talk about his, uh, you know, his milieu media group in which he provides great content through the H podcast, which we're huge fans of. And he also launched a new podcast this week called Gago Sports, which I actually was a guest on uh, the final episode of Two Days talking about sports gambling. So uh, be sure to listen to that episode if you want. But uh, Luke is going to join us here in a few minutes. But uh, Jeremy, if you want to follow our work on social media, you can just search Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can also follow our other co-host for more relevant sports information. And that's Hunter Atkins, who is recovering from surgery surgery at the moment, actually, uh, rotator cuff surgery. Uh, he, uh, you can follow him at Hunter Atkins 35 on Twitter. Uh, hopefully he'll be able to type and still put out uh, great content for the Houston Chronicle. But without further ado, it's time to get to the, uh, the interview with Luke Bronner. So it's time to sit back, relax and be informed. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. Joining us now in studio here at The Weekly Brew is, uh, I guess, a podcast uh, guru, a podcast behemoth here in the city of Houston. That's Luke Bronner. And uh, Luke joined us, what was it, back in May? It was was during the NBA playoffs. I remember that. Yes, that's right. I mean, you had just sort of... I guess wrapped up the first season of the H. I was right in the middle. Right in the yeah, middle I of didn't it. Didn't wrap up till July. So 
Yeah, so, I, I mean, what's been going on since then? I mean, you, you had started off with H, which I think had, uh, for those not familiar, go ahead and check that out, the H podcast. I believe it debuts here in just about a month. A month from today, actually, season two. Well, yeah. get January excited for 3rd. that. The first the first 12 episodes were uh, quite phenomenal, and actually, I've told a lot of people about it. There was uh, someone at this Appreciate IABC uh, luncheon that I was at a few weeks ago, and he was, he was talk- telling me about his story. And uh, I, I told him, I was like, yeah, I've got this uh, buddy, Luke. He's got a great podcast at The Age. Check it out. I actually had coffee with him this past Friday. And he's nice. like, so I listened to The Age. He, you know, it, it was very NPR-like. He's got great storytelling abilities. And I think that's what we need more of. And so I was nice. like, all right, perfect. We're spreading the words. We're like, that that's, street team. That's what I need. Thank you. <laughs> but you are the, uh, the, the owner, CEO, the guru of Milieu Media Group. And you've sort of been on a podcast barrage the last few months just yeah. launching new shows almost it seems like weekly i mean tell us what's going it on does, it feels like weekly right now yeah so you know i've been podcasting for a few years the h was actually my third show to launch and that launched in march and then just in 27 have launched five different shows so not all that i'm hosting but i'm producing and editing all of them and they're all connected to the network so i kind of formalized the network since the last time i was here and um yeah we've got eight shows now and Staying busy. <laughs> I mean, very busy. And it's not like each show is the same. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, everything from the H, which I, I think is like the uh, granddaddy of them all. I think it's probably the best podcast in Houston. Uh, I, I really believe in that. But you've also got the ish. You've also got the podcast. You've also got Diego Sports, which debuted this past week. I mean, can you kind of tell our listeners just about the, the the different podcasts and sort of what was the genesis of you know creating each show? Yeah, you know, when I started podcasting a couple years ago, I started a show called Sons and Doubters and another show called Hemistry. And and what I found is, you know, so I've been a musician for years. And so I used to always, all of my creative energy would always end up in song lyrics. I would always think in lyrics. Everything that happened in my life became a lyric. And then somewhere along the way, everything became an idea for a podcast. And so the podcasts that I have started are the ones that, I mean, I think of new shows every, literally every day, several times a day. I'm like, oh, that'd be a good podcast. The ones I start are the ones I just can't shake, the ideas I can't shake. And so, um, so yeah, you know, The H is a show about the people who make this city great. I love Houston. I'm a transplant and I love this city. And and, um, so I just want to tell the stories of the people who make it great. We launched in, I guess it was September I think it was September, a show called Ryan Hamilton's Lost the Plotcast. Ryan is a longtime friend. He's an independent singer-songwriter, uh, frontman for a band called Ryan Hamilton and the Traders, and they're huge in the U.K. And so that show actually has a, a great big audience in the U.K., uh, which is completely new for me. Does that make it more difficult to get advertisers? <laughs> you know, you would think that, but Ryan is so well connected over there. Yeah. I mean, he's getting just amazing guests, like guests who are in the music world, huge names. I mean, for people, for musicians. So he just had a uh, a lady named Amanda Palmer. She was one of the front front women, I guess, frontmen for the Dresden Dolls. They were a huge band. Um, and I mean, she's got, you know, a million plus followers wow. on Twitter and stuff. And so stuff like that, he's getting these amazing guests right after that show launched. We launched a show called the ish, which is another girl here in town, Cameron Deason Hammond. And she just talks to folks. A lot, a lot of the folks she talks to are, are authors. Um, but just talking about kind of living in the liminal spaces of life, just sort of the in-between places in our identities, the, the tension that we all kind of live in. Um, whether that's with your religion or your relationship to art or whatever. And so 
her show is way over my head. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> she's way smarter than me. And, and I'm, I literally, I'll sit there producing her show and I'm like Googling words. Cause I don't, they're so much smarter than me. Her I, I've guess, actually so. had to do that several times when listening to different podcasts, just certain terms. I'm like, yeah. okay, I can communicate with people. And so sometimes I think I come across being smarter than I actually am. But yeah. like, I'm, I'm Google is my friend, Wikipedia. So. For sure. Yeah. I can, the first episode, the, the author she was interviewing kept using the word pastiche. And I was like, what? How do you even spell that? Yeah. So then, uh, like, like you said, this last week we launched Yay Go Sports, which you were on. Thank you. Uh, which is a show. So basically, I grew up in a sports family, but I was always the artsy kid. I, um, I played basketball growing up, but I was never, I was just never drawn to sports the way a lot of boys are, a lot of people are. And so I don't understand them really. And actually, was listening to you guys. It was an episode that you guys were talking about. What's the guy's name that that knows baseball so well? Hunter's friend, uh, Derek Fogel. Derek Fogel. Yeah. My gosh. He, so there was an episode where you guys were talking about um, different types probably, of pitches, probably gripping different pitches. It was different grips yeah, on yeah. the baseball, and I was like, <laughs> I, I mean, it was completely fascinating. But I had no idea what he was talking about. I didn't know what any of the pitches were, and that's what sort of inspired the idea of. I need a show where guys like you make guys like me sound like guys like you. And so uh, basically every episode is me just asking one question of a major sports fan, whether that's you know things like what's a nickel defense? I've heard of that my whole life, but I don't have a clue what it is. Yeah. Or what's the infield fly rule? No idea. The infield fly rule, so to me that's kind of a fun thing to discuss because I used to teach a, uh, a baseball camp over in Germany. Oh, wow. And it, it was through my church uh, back in the woodlands. And that was something that we always had challenges with because we stuck with like American baseball rules and to try to explain to them the infield fly rule, yeah. like the kids just would have no idea. And so we always felt terrible when there was a pop-up, you know, with, with runners on one out, we'd call the, you know, the batter automatically out. The kids yeah. would just be so confused. And then you had the translation barrier that you're trying to communicate yeah. to these like nine and 10 year old kids. Just it, assume it, you're yeah, cheating. Yeah. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, it's funny until you just said that. I, I mean, I've recorded that episode, but for the life of me, couldn't think of what that rule was. I, I will actually learn these things when I go back and edit these, <laughs> these episodes when I have to listen to it over and over and over. So, so you sort of call it the, uh, I don't know, the sports podcast for the B, for like the B team, yeah, right? Sports and, talk for the B team, yeah. And and so I kind of like that because Jeremy, who actually just walked into the studio, I guess traffic was pretty heavy in Houston today. We've sort of given him like a hard time, especially during baseball season, right? Yeah. I mean, he. He was sort of passive when it came to the Astros during the regular season, but when it came to playoff time, I couldn't think of like a bigger fan in the city of Houston. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's got a Astros shirt on. You would now. you would flatter me if I was on the B team for sports <laughs> talk. I, I'm 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 not not even that good. So um, you yeah, might, you might enjoy the show then. I, I absolutely. I, I'm uh, anything that if you can boil it down to its bare bare parts, then I might be able to get it. But otherwise, I mean, like infield fly rule, like what's that? I mean, like seriously, <laughs> um, he, he just cares that the Yankees lose. I think that's that's the big. Caveat. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there, there's some sports where the you know the the motive is really a negative emotion that drives most of my you know like attention to the yeah. sport. So like you know like I don't. I love the Astros. I'm a fan of the Astros. Not a, not a baseball fan necessarily, but I hate the Yankees. And yeah. so, like, yeah, that's that's like the the animus that drives me to watch. Uh, you know, they got me into the ALCS when that rolled around. So, but exactly, it, it, it's for guys like Jeremy. I think I, I, yeah. I I've listened to you know to several of the first. I mean, you put ten episodes out last week, so it, it was a hard, honestly, for me to try to like. I mean, two a days. I mean, I think I, I probably listened about uh, half of them. But yeah, uh, it's great. I really like. That they're short. They're sweet. They're concise. Uh, and I really look forward to you know what you have coming up uh, this next week, and it, 
you are going, you're not going to be releasing two episodes a day. It's, right. It's a, so it's now it'll be three week, episodes right? a week. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday releases. And um, yeah, so we launched with this, what we call preseason two a days. And those were just to sort of develop, lay a foundation for folks of sports because I want to be able to ask things like, what's a nickel defense? But if someone doesn't really know anything about football, I need to give them kind of the, you know, the foundation for that. So that's what those, those were actually longer episodes than what we'll have in the, this, the episodes will be like five, seven minutes, something like that. So. so what was sort of the, I don't know, the thought process behind it, you know, going with those shorter podcasts? Was there was there a reason for that rather than, you know, like an hour episode like the H or? Yeah, you know, like I... When I every time I kind of get an idea for a podcast, I, I have the concepts that that draw me in. But I also have, um, as I'm trying to start a network, I want different types of shows. And so, you know, my first two shows were kind of interview based, um, more conversational, sort of like what you guys do. It's us sitting down with somebody and just kind of talking through right. their stuff with them. And then, so the H came about because I wanted something that was more storytelling. It was long form storytelling. So I wanted an hour long show that like I had to really learn how to tell stories with Yego sports. I really wanted something that, that is short so that I can release just like rapid fire. I want, I want something, if I could release it every day, I would, I just don't think I have time to, with all the other shows to be able to create that. But, um, yeah, so it was just I really just wanted something I could release consistently, like stay out in front of people every day. And that and that just fit that format so well because what I don't need is a 20-minute explanation on uh like what a motion offense is because that's just it's overkill and I won't remember any of it. I need someone to like boil it down for me just like you said and and um just give me just enough that I can hold on to it. Keep up. So what do you hope that listeners learn and take from Diego Sports? Man, I mostly just hope people are entertained. I think it's it's a show that everybody assumes it's not for them. Like sports fans think, well, I already know about sports. I don't need to, I don't need to listen to this basic stuff. And then people who don't care about sports are like, well, I'm not going to listen to a sports podcast because I don't care. But I actually think it's perfect for both groups. I think it's really, really just sort of a playful, fun, um, you know, remedial sports show. So. Yeah, I definitely like it. And uh, Jeremy's going to have to uh, give it a listen and uh, give us his feedback uh, next week on the show. But uh, it, one of the things that I also want to discuss is you've got season two of H launching in January, a week from today. Yes, uh, a month from today. A month from today, not a week. <laughs> uh, that would be kind of weird to release an episode you know, right before the, uh, the yeah. new year, the holiday season. Yeah. Uh, but you've got some very interesting guests lined up and some you know fun, unique stories impactful stories that you're going going to be sharing in season two. I I guess if you can, I don't know if you can, you know, necessarily reveal some of those guests that you have, but how did you sort of see the response from the first season? Like, I mean, what was the response like the reception, like for the first season of the podcast and how did you sort of take that response and use that to shape season two? You know, uh, numbers wise, uh, you know, I'll never be the weekly brew. You guys are killing it. So, uh, <laughs> you, you tell stories. We don't. <laughs> yeah. So, but the people who, what I will say is the people who are into the show are really into the show. Like they really genuinely care about the stories. And, and I think it's people who really just love this city and understand that there's something really special about the city. And there really is, uh, something special about this city. And so the reception has been really good. People who are into it are really into it. It's, it's a hard show to get people to, um, to kind of try out for the first time. But once they try it out, I think they kind of stay with it. And so I don't, I don't think there's many people who started episode one and didn't finish 
this this season or who started late in the season and didn't go back. That's the other things. I've tried to make every episode sort of evergreen in nature so that it's always you can always go back and start. There's not tied to, you know, current events or anything. It's just sort of a these stories will hold up, I think. People can go back today and start at episode one and be just fine. So Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that we try to do, but yeah, we, it's a little bit more yeah, difficult. It's because, hard. Especially, especially really when we're talking hard. sports. I mean, yeah, sports even some current events. You know, yeah. I, I look back in some of the current events we were talking about. I, I wouldn't go back and listen to those as, but, you know, as a regular listener. But um, some of it is. You know, so some of the interviews we've had, like with Steve Almond and uh, B. Gary Patterson, I mean, any of these past interviews, I mean, I definitely, if you're a fan, you would go back and and listen to. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'm kind of curious because when we first started podcasting, we had no idea what we were doing. I mean, I listened back to our first episode. It was terrible. I've heard it. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah. you could tell us it was terrible. <laughs> they were like all on the phone and talking about Donald Trump. Exactly, exactly. And at that point, that was what, two and a half years ago, We none of us thought that he had a shot at being the president. And of course, here we are, <laughs> right into his presidency. Yeah. Well, and, and, I, and I think about the concept, right? I'm like, we were all supposed to like have a drink before we got started. That was like, that, that was going to be like the theme. And I was like, man, I don't know if that's Good Hence for, the title. I mean, like, yeah, right. Yeah. I know. I, I think the only times that we actually have drinks during the podcast is when we do our Super Bowl recap, which is when we typically watch yeah. after the Super Bowl. That's right. You know, at that point, we've had who knows how many drinks. Yeah, uh, and then I think sometimes during the playoff run, maybe. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's very occasional, and but I I can't imagine coming in here on a Sunday like you know if you've gone to church, you've gone to lunch, whatever, <laughs> you come in here and get like you know wasted and open the, a six pack. Yeah, you, you, just, you just can't do that every Sunday. So, or at least my thirty two year old liver can't. Yeah. <laughs> so we are getting a little bit older, but in, in terms of the types of stories that people can expect for season two, I mean, you've told me some of the names that you have on. You've sort of teased some of the stories. Tell our listeners sort of what they can expect without revealing too much. Yeah, I don't want to necessarily give up any names yet, but we've got folks connected, very connected to uh, professional athletes. Um, we've got some of like the best restaurateurs in town. We've got a really amazing, um, this award-winning cocktail, like high-end cocktail bartender. Like she wins all these competitions and stuff. She's pretty amazing. Uh, just some really just kind of, pretty incredible entrepreneurs here in town. Um, I'm trying to be a little more attentive this season to, uh, to diversity. Uh, that's something I, that, that would say as a, I would say as a weakness of the first season. I mean, it, it took, there, it's way more like white guy heavy than I want it to be. And so this season, I think we're accomplishing that I've, I've recorded like seven of the 12 features so far. And, and I think we're, we're nailing that so far. So, and I mean, it's such a diverse city. It is, here and in I Houston. want that to be reflected in the show. So, yeah, I'm kind of curious. Has has what you've done changed any since Hurricane Harvey? I mean, Hurricane Harvey, we've seen, you know, the city sort of come together, rally together. Um, you know, almost seem like more cohesive as a you know a one team mindset. Have you seen any of that change in the way that you've podcast or storytelling since Harvey? It's hard to say because I haven't really gotten to get into my part of the storytelling yet. I'm not narrating yet, but what I'll say is maybe without exception, it's Harvey has, has been a part of every story that we've told. I think I, I, I can't think I'm not positive off the top of my head, but almost every interview I've done so far in some way, Harvey has, has uh, created this sort of um, story arc in, in these people's lives. And, and I'm, I'm glad for that. Uh, this, this season won't be about Harvey, but it certainly won't go unmentioned. So what's next for you, Milieu Media Group, the podcast network, 
what can people expect moving into 2018? You know, just a lot of shows. I think we've stabilized now as far as how many shows that I want out. Well, we've got a couple shows that will launch in 2018, but we're gonna. It's gonna be a bit. I think I've my own personal audience. I've I've uh, worn them down over the last <laughs> couple of months of like begging them to try this new show and this new show. But um, so I think you'll see consistency. I think you'll see just you'll just hear really good stories. I mean, we really have some great stories coming up. We're rebooting a couple of shows that um, that we haven't been active on in a while, but uh, but not necessarily launching any new series for a while. Well, certainly looking forward to it. And since you are now the, the host of a sports podcast, yes, I've got to ask you: Who do you have in the college football playoff? I I have I, I don't even know what to say. So what I'll say is I'll say University of Texas. I have no idea if they're any good or not, <laughs> but I grew up in a family that loves UT, and so. You know, you talked about like hating the Yankees but not caring about baseball. I was going to say like I grew up in a family where I have just in my DNA to not to not like AM. I have no reason not to like AM. I think we all feel the same we, way. We share something very important in common. I think we can be But friends. see, I have no reason for that whatsoever <laughs> other than my dad doesn't like AM. So yeah. I guess I don't like AM. But you, so you know, and truthfully, we don't I say we. I'm going to say I don't either, but I had some formative experiences early on in my undergraduate career that that gave me a reason to hate. But at the same time, there is sort of like this, like as you're saying, like this, this familial like lineage of like hating an institution that yeah. you just sort of have to, it's, you know, yeah, it's you have to partake in. in. There, there, were two, there were two things that Jeremy was raised to hate, Aggies and Democrats. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> let's, let's, let's go soft on the latter on there. But, um, you know, I actually, it, it's funny because, Part of my family went to AM and we always give them a hard time, especially being the SEC and then with the Sumlin departure and everything. So um, it's, it's easy, they're, they're, they're easy target to make fun of these days. And so like, it's not as fun to do and they're not in the conference. So it's like, it's kind of lost some of its fun, honestly, some of the luster. But it's well, funny, my family, you know, I said my whole family is, is a UT family. We have no actual connection. No one actually went to UT. In fact, the only connection I have to the University of Texas, I have an uncle who was a professor there years ago. And he was an Aggie. He was an Aggie. Interesting. Yeah. That's, but that's the only connection we have to the school. So. That's interesting. And actually, the University of Texas will be playing here in Houston for the, uh, the Texas Bowl, actually. I think that's I just, uh, just a few days before uh, the New Year's. I think it's like December 28th, 29th, something like that. But uh, the University of Texas will not win the college football playoff this okay. year. I can, I can actually guarantee that. Okay. But, uh, Luke, uh, we definitely appreciate you for stopping by the studio and joining us this week. And, and for those that are interested in following your work, uh, you know, whether it's with the AH Diego Sports or the podcast or the Ish or just you know, milieu media group in general, where can they find you and what's the best way for them to, you know, get in touch with you? Yeah. So you can find, uh, if you go to milieumedia.com, it's M I L I E U is how you spell milieu, milieumedia.com. That'll link to all of the different shows. Um, the H, you know, you can follow us on social media everywhere at the H podcast. Diego sports is at Diego sports. So, um, yeah, that's the best place. Check it out. Give them five stars on iTunes and, Please, uh, yeah. make sure to leave them a review. Yes, thanks. (laughs) Luke, we appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Closing time. Thanks to Luke Bronner for joining both myself and Jeremy on the Weekly Brew Podcast. You can make sure to uh, check out his work. Uh, The H launches one month from today, and Yego Sports is currently live. They just finished two-a-days last week, launching three episodes a week uh, starting this next week. And I highly recommend that. We'll post links on our uh, website at weeklybrewcast.com. But, uh, Jeremy, you were a little bit late to the show. Uh, Luke, great guy, great podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm really interested in in their content being 
uh, somebody with pretty severe sports ADD, you know, and just uh, <laughs> not being able to really focus in on the fundamentals of a sport and really having that broken down and sort of, you know, kind of boiled down for, for the, for, for the, the average sports fan who just uh, likes watching the game. Yeah, it's it's great content, and again, I was uh, a guest on one of the uh, preseason two a days. So go ahead and check that out as well. You can find Diego Sports on iTunes, and you can also just search Luke Bronner on iTunes if you're having trouble with that. But uh, Jeremy, it's been uh, quite the chaotic week in both politics and sports. And uh, again, we're excited to have the guys from the Roommates Podcast on uh, next week. We'll have them here in studio, so look forward to that. We'll also hopefully dive into a little bit of. Uh, uh, Rockets content as well, and hopefully we'll have uh, Hunter Atkins back in studio as he is recovering from his uh, surgery. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know what kind of surgery he had. What was it rotator cuff? Something. Yeah, like that. rotator cuff. He 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 wasn't swinging the golf club right. Yeah, or something. Something. Yeah. Something like that. Something involving his hands. Yeah, I, I don't know. Too much. Too much motion. <laughs> I, I guess I, we're not sure. But uh, anyways, follow him at Hunter Atkins thirty five. Send him a, uh, a well wish if you can. And I'm sure next week we're gonna have more chaos unfold. Uh, you know, in the political front, uh, we'll have Heisman Trophy recap to talk about as well. So go ahead and stay tuned for that. But if you want to follow our work, again, it's Weekly Brewcast at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can just find us there. On behalf of my co-host and founder of the Weekly Brew Podcast, Jeremy Paxson, my name is Austin Statton. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Weekly Brew. 